This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. This is a special edition episode. We've got a four-part series here sponsored by the Under Armour All Out Mile. So you'll be getting two episodes a week on this podcast for the next four weeks. Super exciting, right? Today's episode is episode 331, and I'm talking with Will Lear, who is sponsored by Under Armour. He's been a professional runner since 2007. He's a two-time Olympic trials finalist from 2008 and 2012. He's a world indoor championship finalist. He's a two-time national champion, and he has the American record in the 4x1500, and he's a silver medalist in that event. Will serves on the board of directors for USA Track and Field. He also served as the vice chairperson of USATF Athletics Advisory Committee. He is super passionate about the sport, not just competing and running himself, but advocating for other athletes in the sport as well. All right, so we get to hear all about Will's career. He is also married to Aisha Pratt-Lear. And if you didn't know her story leading into the Olympic trials, she had a pretty bad injury right before the trials and then had surgery. And he catches us up on how she's doing and what they're looking forward to in this episode. Um, So we talk about his career. We get to talk about his relationship with Aisha a little bit. And we also get to talk about the Under Armour All Out Mile and also his work with the board of directors for USA Track and Field. So it's a really awesome, well-rounded conversation, and he's a lot of fun. He made me laugh several times in this episode. Okay, so what is the Under Armour All Out Mile? It is a free virtual mile that you all need to sign up for, okay? I know a lot of you are probably training for half marathons and marathons, but it is so fun to test your fitness and just see what you can do for a mile, okay? So you sign up, it's totally free. Go to uaalloutmile.com. Join my team if you sign up. My team is called All Have Another. And what you do is you get a training plan. So they give you, Under Armour gives you a specific training plan for 30 days. And at the beginning of your 30 days, you run a mile, see what you can run your mile in, and then you do it again at the end of the 30-day training cycle. So sign up now and then train through the month of September and you can run your all out mile anytime between October 1st and October 11th. Again, this is totally free and it's fun. You might as well do it. I'm going to be doing it with a group of friends here. And the really cool thing is they are giving away prizes. You can win up to $15,000 to donate to a youth sports charity of your choice. If you have the biggest team or if you have the fastest team, I'm going for the biggest team over here. So make sure you sign up for the mile. Go to uaalloutmile.com. We will put the link to that in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. And I will also share about it on my Instagram. Um, if you're not following me over there, go give it a follow, lindsayhine626. And I'll have all the information up about that today. All right, friends, if you enjoy this episode of the podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review. Uh, We are giving away a pair of Gooder sunglasses. You will be entered to win that pair of sunglasses if you get your review in, your rating and review in on Apple iTunes by the end of August. If you do 
leave one, make sure you email Emma, my assistant or myself, Emma at SandyBoyProductions.com or at Lindsay at SandyBoyProductions.com and we will get you entered to win. And we will announce the winner of that sometime in that first week of September. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Will Lear. All right. Today on the podcast, we have Will Lear on the show. Welcome to the show, Will. Great to be here. What's going on? Are you in Boulder? What are you up to today? I am in sunny Boulder, Colorado. Uh, One of our, it's a crystal clear day, which I like to anyone that's been in, in Colorado recently or really anywhere on the West Coast, like it's, it's a true gift these days because we've had so much smoke lately and just being out there, being able to take deep breaths and see the mountains and oh, it was a beautiful morning to go go for a run. Yeah, tell me more about that. Are you having to wear masks outside on runs because of the smoke? No, I don't. I mean, my first experience with like bad wildfires was my freshman year of college and the entire mountainside that was like three miles away from our campus was just on fire. And we had ash like falling on and and basically what I learned then was that even like the best respirator that you can buy commercially doesn't filter out all those particles. And so when we go out for a run, if, if the AQI, which is our sort of like the metric that we use to look at how much crap there is in the air, um, if the AQI is above a certain threshold, I just don't run. Mm. I have that luxury now. Um, but if it's you know below a certain threshold. I say like it makes you feel like you, you know, we used to go when I was younger, you'd go to concerts and there'd be people smoking indoors. Thankfully, that doesn't happen anymore. But this is what it feels like if you would have gone to one of those events. It's like, it's like oh, that horse in the throat. I mean, I think it was my freshman year of college. We're, we're close to the same age, you and I. And I that, I think, was the last year. Not that I was at a bar when I was 19. Um, <laughs> but I think that was the last year that people could smoke in bars. And I remember walking through crowded bars, like, and my arm getting burned by a cigarette and, like, drinking, you know, like, 10-cent drafts or whatever. And I'm like, looking back, I cannot believe that was even legal. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, would you have to sit in the smoking or non-smoking section as though that made a difference? Yeah. yeah. It's so crazy. We've really grown up. We have. Um, now, do you all have ex- access to a treadmill like where you live or do you have to do you go to a gym or something? Yeah. Uh, the team boss gym has has a couple of treadmills in it. And so, again, like it's also really hot here in the summer. So it's sort of tough when you it's like, you know, you're balancing like, do I want to go outside and have a, like a little bit of a sore throat or am I inside and like this? swelteringly hot <laughs> gym environment because the gym doesn't have AC. Um but no, it's there are plenty of treadmills to be found in this town. Uh, I bet. But, but Boulder is a very active town, and so you know sometimes you might have to wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we just moved from Indianapolis to Raleigh, North Carolina, and I mean it's humid in Indiana in the summer, but I cannot believe how hot and humid it is these past few weeks. And we have a gym in our garage as well, and it's like there's just no airflow. No, alti- or, uh, humidity is poor man's altitude. Totally. It's, it's very, very hard to train in. Okay, answer this question for me then. What is harder for you personally? I grew up in Minnesota, so I'm very used to heat and humidity, but I also now live full-time at altitude. So uh, both pose their own, I think, unique challenges, but it's like the altitude's always here. It's here all year round. Um, and so it's sort of this constant thing that you're, it's, it's a stimulus or rather like this impediment to your performance that we're just used to all the time. 
um, you know, extreme heat and humidity, like can be there one day and gone the next. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's uh, probably a more difficult impediment to your running. Okay, so before we move on to your career, look, this is about you, but we have to ask about Aisha a little bit because I know she just competed in the Olympics and then had a big surgery and it was a very emotional, hard experience. And for those listening, Aisha Protlier, she's been on the show before um, and she's Will's partner. So um, we need to get a little update on her. Aisha is doing fantastically well. Um, It was a really, I'll just like backpedal. So like- uh, when she decided that when she called me and told me that she had had this unbelievably tragic injury, it was a very difficult pill to swallow for both of us. You know, it was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? And it was, you know, she's had a tough year as it is, just like a lot of things out of her control that were holding back her running. And so when this one happened, it was like, it was really just like a punch to the gut. And then when she hits, you know, finally talked to the guy who was going to eventually do her surgery, and they agreed that she could run in Tokyo. It was like, okay, to minimize potential further injury or damage to your knee, the, uh, the structure of your knee, I was like, you know, what's the plan? And her like, all right, plan is to like stay out of trouble, sort of hang out in the back, and then like, if by the grace of whatever running deity there exists out there, she had a good last 400. It was like she could sort of go to work then, but being in the jostling was going to be a worst case scenario. And then when Sifan fell mm. right in front of her with like 380 meters to go, I'm just like, like my heart just sank. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's just like another, like, come on, world, what are you doing? Um, so that remarkably, she emerged from that, like with a sore knee, but, but mostly unscathed. And she flew back to Colorado two days later, landed at the Vail Airport at eight o'clock at night, and we were in surgery eight o'clock the next morning. And and just with one of the greatest, I mean, we're so lucky to have this Dedman Philippon Clinic two hours away from where we live, just the best people in the world um, when it comes to sports medicine and sports surgery in particular, orthopedic surgery. Um, so surgery was a success. We had a great debrief with the doctor. Uh, it was sort of funny to see Aisha hopped up on all sorts of uh, pain meds. <laughs> You know, as as your listeners can probably guess, we're not a big drugs family. Uh, so <laughs> I very infrequently get to see her sort of like off in a different universe. But uh-huh. it, it's pretty funny. Um, but also good to be there because she doesn't remember most of the conversation that we have with the surgeon. <laughs> but we went back for our follow up last week. And the doctor said, you know, look, your knee, everything in your knee, structurally, cartilage, bone health, all the other ligaments and tendons are in perfect shape. Which is, you know, like as a runner, as someone like Aisha, who's put thousands of miles into her body, to hear that is like, all right, like not only it's 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 really good news because the recovery from this surgery is very long. And so she's like, well, at least if the recovery goes well, I shouldn't really have, an, you know, unless lightning strikes twice, I shouldn't have an, another problem with my knee because my knee health is really good. And so that that was really assuring and, you know, they did a bunch of movement stuff with her knee, and this is getting long-winded. Long-winded way of saying she's doing awesome. She's kicking ass on the recovery, but the hardest part that the surgeon kept telling us is like, you're gonna start feeling pretty good in like uh-huh. a month, and you can't run for, I think it's four months. You can start. Ooh, to run. That's so long. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. We're we're heading into an off season though. Yeah, you know, and and she's she's really leaning into it. It's great. Yeah. Um, you know, there's gonna be we're we're like trying to 
flex any of the relationships that we have with people that you know cr- create or make or produce modalities of cross training to try and like get some fun things around to keep life interesting. So yeah, it, it's going to be a, it'll be an interesting next three months. Yeah. Spice up the cross train a little bit. Um, what are things that the two of you like to do outside of running? Like things that when she is like hardcore training, you just don't have time for that you might be able to do now. I think one of the keys of our relationship is that we sort of like to do different things. Um, the first love of my life was downhill skiing. Mm. And for the last 14 years of professional running, I had to put that on the back burner, couldn't do it. And so this past winter, I spent a bunch of time up in Crested Butte skiing and took myself on a little ski vacation uh, to some of the other you know, Rocky Mountain resorts. And and she's like, look, I'm running. You go do that. Yeah. And like doing all this. So I just did a, a three-day stage race as a part of the Trans Rockies run. That again, she's like, you have fun. Like, I have no interest. Like, not that she would have done it with me because she was in Tokyo, but stuff like that where she's like, you know, go take your adventures, take the dog, go tire him out. I'll be here. Like, uh, but the stuff that we really like to do together is we love to travel um, and and we love to eat delicious food. And so we, we dine out a lot. Um, yeah, I saw on your LinkedIn of all places to do guest education research. I found a good amount of information on your LinkedIn um, that you've been to 25 countries. Yeah, thanks running. Yeah, seriously. You pick one one country. You can only go to that country for the rest of your life. Of all the places you've visited, what do you pick? I'm biased. I would I would choose France. Okay. Uh, because while I love big waves, like I, I like to surf and boogie board and body surf and all that stuff, uh, the Mediterranean is pretty delightful. Um, France has mountains. It has unbelievable lakes. It has incredible countryside, like in Provence. It's got great cities, culture, food, wine, all the stuff that I'd be looking for if I had to go to one place. Um, but yeah, I also, my family lived in France when I was younger, so I speak French and that makes it a little bit easier. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, okay, let's walk back. You're with Under Armour now. You've been with them since 2019. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is the Under Armour All Out Mile, which everybody listening should sign up. I formed a team. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with Under Armour now and what your career looks like at this point? Yeah. And if you're looking for another team, the Mile High Milers is another excellent choice. It I mean, what to if be I my... want to beat you though? Like what if I want more people well, on listen, my team? We're, this is nothing if not a little bit of friendly competition. Okay. Your team <laughs> might be faster than my team. <laughs> I'll, I'm just gonna try for numbers. That's what I'm gonna try for. That, yeah, us too. We're we're strength in numbers. That's that's the name of our game. So what's your team again? The Mile High Milers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep a lookout for us. We're okay. uh, we're we're growing. We're a fledgling group right now, but we're growing. See, I need to get on and look, and I can't. I haven't like figured out getting on and looking to see who's joined my team. I just know I've created a team and I've sort of started spreading the world. Go ahead, though. Yeah. So. Uh, as of this moment, I think you know the, the full court press that we're doing with Under Armour is this is the all out mile. Um, I think it's a really really cool initiative. It, there's so much out there about you know, going to running 5k, 10k, like long races. While you know they may get you out running more miles, running a mile is fun. And you're like, if you think about looking at children, little kids, are they jogging around the playground? No, they're running all out. They're sprinting around. They're giggling. They get out of breath. They're laughing. They're having fun. Like 
bringing a little of playing back into our lives, I think is a, is a really good idea. And training for the mile is super fun because you get all these different fun types of workouts. It's not just like go run for a really long time. When you're getting ready for your marathons, like that workout, your biggest workout of the week is long run. You're out there forever and you're exhausted afterwards. And, you know, you're trying to coax friends and to come out and like ride a bike or something with <laughs> you or, so, you know, you're like looking for that really good podcast or playlist. Training for the mile. It's like short and sweet. You know, you're out there, you're, you're doing some fast, short workouts and, and the program's 30 days. So you get world-class coaching in running, strength and conditioning, human performance. I mean, these are, these are resources that are usually reserved for Under Armour's professional athletes. And they're like just offering them to the general public completely for free. Um, on top of that, you can win cash, you can win prizes, you can win 15000 up to $15,000 for a youth sports charity. I mean, it's like, these are all great things. And it's going to be really fun. And maybe you might get a video of me in your inbox every week. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. TBD, you got you to gotta sign up to find out. I don't know. Are, have those videos already started? They start week one. Okay. And week one is the first week in September because you train the month of September and then you have to October 1st to the 12th to do your mile. Yeah. And the only reason that I know it's a 30-day program is because 30 days is half September. Oh, yeah. right. Exactly. I don't remember how many days there are in a month. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the only 30-day months. One of the only. Um, okay. So here's a couple things. I feel like a lot of people that listen to this podcast are training for half marathons and marathons. Tell us why we can still train for a mile while we're doing that. And then the second part to my question. People get so scared about speed work and short distance stuff because it's like pain train for a short period of time, but it's like a different kind of pain train than these endurance, long, long run athletes experience. So just like ease our minds a little bit. Sure. Uh, are you familiar with a woman whose name is Kara Goucher? Um, yeah. I'm sure that yeah. most people listening might know her. Yeah. Well, if you go back and look at some of the years where she was preparing to run spring marathons in the winter, she would go and run the Milrose games. She'd run the Wanamaker mile. She'd go run the mile at the Boston indoor games. So running fast, running over speed actually is one of the best ways to make yourself a more efficient runner at those sort of half marathon marathon paces. So if nothing else training for a mile, it makes you a better long distance runner. Now, to address, also, it's just one mile. Right. Like, if you're thinking about one mile of a marathon, it's over like that. You can't fret about it too much. That's that's like my number one piece of advice to people trying to run the miles. Like, don't think about it too much. Just go do it. Like, the first week of training for the all-out mile, you're asked to do a benchmark test. Like, you're going to go run as hard as you can. You're probably not going to kill yourself in that first mile. So, like, all you're going to do is improve and you might run a personal best at the end of the 30 days. And like, we all know what that feeling is of doing something that you've never done before. And so it's, yeah, the mile, it's also just the best event ever. So you can, you, you can put that in your pipe and smoke it if you want. <laughs> Said from a 351 miler, do you recommend <sighs> doing it on the track or doing it on a straight shot road? Um, I'd say it depends on what you have at your disposal. Sure. The beauty of the track is like there is a symmetry to the mile, you know, like mm -hmm. you get, you can break it up really easily. Um, 
road miles are super fun though. I agree. And I, I'd say like, if there, if you can link in your benchmark or your all out mile with like a proper race, so fun. So fun, especially road miles where it's like just mass craziness for like sh- such a short period of time. Yeah, it's great. Road miles are the best. Yeah. And I also suggest if you can't find a race setting, just create it with some of your friends. That's what I'm going to do. I have a couple girlfriends here in the Raleigh area and we're going to all do it together. And I think that that'll be so much more fun. I think as someone who was not a track and field athlete ever, really, um, I think the road is is less intimidating to me. Well, here's the thing. If you have people that are coming out, if you have other girlfriends that are going to join you and if they have partners, you make them come out. They can strategically place themselves around a track and you get more cheering. That's true. That's true too. A mile stretch of road, you can it can be a little lonely out there sometimes. Why does one lap around a track feel so long though when it's only a quarter of a mile? That's all between the ears. <laughs> That's true. It's actually no shorter of a distance to run a, a quarter mile on a track versus a quarter mile on the road. <laughs> I love your listeners do that. It's all a quarter mile. Um, okay, so we're going to walk back to your career, but before we do that... Uh, we're going to link to sign up for the the UA All Out Mile, the Under Armour All Out Mile in the show notes. But um, one thing we want to hit on is that it is totally free. 100% free. That's a big deal. Like, why, it's like, so why not do it? Just go do it. You get fitter. You have fun. You get to be a part of a, a community of runners that's sort of like attacking the same goal at the same relative timeline. You can win money. You can win prizes. And you can win up to $15,000 for a youth sports charity. And it's free. Free. No, free. no cost. Again, free. Free, free, free. Um, yeah. And I think that I haven't chosen my charity yet if my team ends up being one of the biggest. But I think we're going Girls on the Run for our team. Girls on the Run is a great group. We love Girls on the Run in this house. Hey, friends. A quick break here to thank Athletic Brewing Company for supporting this episode of the podcast. Sometimes you just want to drink a beer or a seltzer and you don't want the alcohol and Athletic Brewing Company is where you need to go for that. They do not compromise on taste. They're delicious, refreshing, and you stay hydrated. They have the Run Wild, which is an IPA, the Upside Down Dawn, which is a golden, the Free Wave, which is a hazy IPA, and the Cerveza Athletica, which is a light copper. I also love their seltzers. The Blood Orange is my favorite. So if you've decided to cut out alcohol in your life or just slow down on the alcohol, definitely check out Athletic Brewing Company. Go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code anotherathletic15 for 15% off your order. That's anotherathletic15 for 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. Okay, so let's walk back to your career a little bit. Man, you are really fast, really fast miler, 1500 meter runner. Um, talk about your love for that distance. You said earlier that's the best distance around or I mean, it's the best. Random. Why is yeah. it the best? Well, because on TV, they don't cut into us and give us commercial break halfway through the race. That is true. It is so annoying when you're watching the 10,000 or the 5,000 and there's a commercial break. It's the worst. So like like for Aisha, you know, she used to run steeple. Now she runs a 1500. It's so great because I get to watch all of her races. Before in the steeple, it was like clockwork. They'd show the first 600 and then they would cut to commercials and I would just scream 
at the TV if I couldn't be wherever she was racing, watching in person. And then they come back for like the last 1K. It's like, this is an interesting race. How yeah. are you supporting? Yeah. So why do I love the mile? I didn't always. I'll preface it by saying that. I didn't <laughs> always. Uh, I joined, I fell in love with track and field because of the team aspect mm. in high school. I had, when I first, my first year of running track was my sophomore year. And I had three seniors that I was on the four by eight and the four by four. Crappy thing about that, especially for my parents. I don't know how they put up with this. Four by eight was the first event. Yes. Four by four is the last event. You're at track meets for like eight hours. Oh yeah. But part of like, again, I sort of like went to this, this whole idea of the team. I loved being able to be out there and cheer for my teammates and, you know, go flirt with girls on other teams or like <laughs> build friendships, like, you know, competitive friendships with guys that I was running against. And like this really convivial atmosphere to track me. Um, so I think first and foremost, I fell in love with track and field because it was sort of like on, it was unlike any other sport that I'd really ever done before. You know, it's like in soccer, I can have a great game, but if the team plays like crap, you know, no one knows, or you can sort of like hide behind your teammates in running. It's like, even if you're doing it on, on a relay, it's like, no, man, like you got to hold your end of the bargain in, in this race. And so that always got the most out of me. Cause I was like, shoot, I'm this little puny sophomore. I don't want to screw it up for these guys who are uh-huh. seniors who I like look at, you know, I, they're the heroes of the high school. You know, you're walking, I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was really cool. And, uh, I don't want to say like, as you can imagine, I had early success in running, but I was just sort of like, my dad had been trying to get me to run track since I was about 10 years old because I was always like the fastest guy in the soccer field or whatever. Um, I was like, running, running sucks. No way. Why would I do that? That sounds boring, which is not wrong. Like running can at times definitely suck. But, uh, I think just as, as I, as I progressed in the sport, as I got better and better and better, it's like almost happened in unison with like relationship building. So, be, by the time I became a senior in high school, it's like my best friends were on a track team. And so when you go to practice, it's not, you're not going to practice. It's not hard. I'm going to hang out with my friends. And we also do this thing that we're all pretty good at. Um, and then when I went to college, it was like, all right, well, here's an immediate group of guys. I went to a D3 school. So it was also everyone was there like by choice, not by scholarship. Um, all these guys are like, they're just trying to get better. They're all really good people. Like 20 immediate friends. This is awesome. And then you just like, became still to this day best friends in the world um and and then it was like just trying to locate find narrow down the event that i was best at and very quickly in college my coach was like it's cute that you ran the 800 in high school but you're definitely a miler (laughs) it's cute um how much beef do soccer coaches and cross-country track coaches have i feel like all the the running coaches steal all the good soccer players (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. We steal the bad soccer players. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> I've just interviewed so many athletes who are like, yeah, I was into soccer. And then the track coach was like, come on, come on over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bad soccer players. That's good. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, like if I could go back, I, you know, I grew up playing every sport under the sun. And it's like, if I could have been, a, I never my wildest, you know, like when you're growing up, oh, I want to be a professional, whatever. Never my wildest dreams even in high school and college, did I really think that like a professional athlete was what I was going to do for 14 years. That being said, as fantastic as it's been traveling to 25 different countries all on someone else's dime, I would be pro in any other sport 
before I would choose running. Really? Like if I could be a professional soccer player, oh my God, heck yeah, that'd be awesome. But I do love running. And guess what? I don't have the body to be a professional soccer player, so. But why awesome. is that? Is it because of the team aspect or like, because what we were talking about earlier, like running, like there's a lo- so much of it is individual. Yeah. I, so Aisha and I have, I've always been a big soccer fan. Aisha, we watched a couple of those like uh, hard knocks or all or nothing on Man City and Tottenham Hotspurs and stuff. And so like you get a sort of a look behind what it is to be like a English, English Premier League player. Yeah. And they're like, you know, you're the worst guy on the team and you're making like five million a year. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I listened to Abby Wambach on Armchair Expert recently and the way she talked about the team and just the dynamic and everything. I mean, obviously she was on like one of the best teams in the world ever. Yeah. Um, and she's one of the best players in the world ever. It did it did make it seem really enticing to be on that kind of team environment, whereas a running team, it's just different. Yeah. No, and I still like absolutely thrive in that team atmosphere. So uh, I have a world championship silver medal from the World Relay Championships um, where I you know, got to go down and run with three of my best friends. And that was super awesome. Taking on Kenya and Ethiopia. Um, there was a, a U.S. team that I got to be a part of from my very first year running professionally at this event called the Decanation, Decanations Meet in France that the France Athletic Federation puts on a meet where they bring one runner or one athlete per event, men and women. So they bring in 10 event, 20 athletes. But like when you're in Europe in the summer racing, you're used to getting on a start line for a 1500 with like 10 too many people than should be on that start line. <laughs> it's like 25 guys in a race and just absolute madness. And then you go to this decanations meet where there's seven countries represented. And so there's like seven people and you're in this huge stadium that's totally packed. And you're like, uh, what? <laughs> there are not enough people on this start uh-huh. line. Like, I can't hide. But your performance earned you points, and all those points tallied up to a team victory. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm out here running. For me, there's no real prize money for the individual. There's prize money for the team. And so, like, that was always something that I really, really looked forward to every summer. It was like, you know, going out and running for yourself. Sure, it's fun because, like, you suffer all the glory. You you suffer all the defeat, and you get to reap all the glory. Yeah. Um. But when you're in with a team atmosphere, it's like, look, I may not have a, had the best race, but my teammates saw me gut it out for a third and like claw back some points for the team, and like everyone was super happy and like pumped up about that performance. And so, well, also the first year that I ever did that meet, it was in Paris, as I said, France, love it. And the last event happened to be the 1500 meters, and I'm walking out to the track. You know, I'm like. First time ever in a U.S. uniform, and the coach is like, "Hey, Will, uh, no big deal, but you have to beat Germany, and you can't lose to France by more than one spot." <laughs> that was the strategy. That was right. He's like, "You can't can't lose Germany, or you can't you have to beat Germany, you can't lose France by more than one spot." I'm like, "What does that even mean? What? I'm just gonna go try and win this race." And he goes, "Yeah, do that." Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I got second, but it was I think like Russia or something that that beat me. You so did what was, you needed to do. Yeah, yeah, we got it done. Got it done. Bring home a trophy for USA. It is true. I mean, and as a spectator, watching the relays is so fun. In running and in swimming. Like, those those medley relays in swimming is so fun to watch. And a theme that I've heard from you, just in listening to you on other podcasts and things like that, is, like, keeping the fun in the sport seems to be extremely important. Going all the way back to your D three days to, to what you're doing now with going to run the LA marathon and doing that three day event where you did 60 miles. 
Yeah, there is a monotony in running, right? It's like many books have been written about this, the yep. loneliness of the long distance runner. And then it's one of the things that's always kept me uh, kept me ran, running and racing for as long as I was able to, was that like the mile you get to do, you can train some parts of the year like a marathoner, and then there's some parts of you train like a sprinter. And like, that's always super fun. Having the variation, mm-hmm. like constantly mixing it up. It's not that no two days are ever the same. One day we're going to do something. The next day you do something almost completely different. Two days later you do something almost completely different. Um, I think it's a bit cyclical, but it's like you're always out. It's always running, but it's always sort of like different styles of running. And uh, now I definitely I, – I took to heart the whole, you know, celebrate your wins and celebrating other people's wins as well. Which I was, and like when we go over to Europe, we'd be in, in these um, – most of the time we'd be in Leuven, Belgium – because it was a very cheap place to house a bunch of runners and everyone went there. So it's like, you knew you were gonna have people to run with and train with, but whether you ran great or you ran poorly after the races, it's like sort of everyone went out to get dinner and a beer afterwards and like hang out and we, you know, talk trash to one another. And it was always really, really fun. It's like those memories I'll cherish more than probably any race I've ever run for the rest of my life. Wow. What's your favorite kind of beer? cold one <laughs> good answer do you like an ipa do you like a blonde do you like a michelob ultra well given that aisha is a brunette i can't say that i love blondes but uh, <laughs> she was blonde for a couple of years she had her sasha fierce thing going on which was which love was fun it. so good. but she's gone back natural now um yeah i the beauty of beer now is that like the prevalence of different kinds of beer i mean it's beer is very much like wine there's like a if someone tells me they don't like beer, I'm like, what do you not like candy? <laughs> it's like, that just doesn't mean anything anymore. You can end. And I think with so many different like micro brews popping up, it's, it's becoming almost as difficult to pick out a beer at the grocery store uh-huh. or liquor store as it is to pick out a bottle of wine. It's right? overwhelming. Like, if, you're not, if you're not a wine professional and know exactly what you're looking for, it's like, uh, that can, yeah. <laughs> whatever, I'll try it out. I go for a two-hearted. I love a two-hearted. See, the I little belt two-hearted is great. I used to be a big sour person. Like I got on a huge sour kick there for a long time, but now I'm just I usually IPAs. I love a two-hearted, little something something. I love that. That's Lagunitas. Um, not that you asked me what my beer preferences were. Well, you didn't let me. I, I, that was gonna be my follow-up question. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted no, to I, share I, with the audience. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I brewed beer for the first time this year. Oh wow. And I brewed a hazy, which was – I don't let your audience be uh, – uh, let me confuse them. It was from a kit. Okay. Basically, like, color by color by number. Uh-huh. You know, like, now do this. Oh, uh-huh. look at me. I'm making beer. Uh, yeah. But it was still very fun. Like, the whole process of, like, making my house smell like a brewery was uh, – Aisha loved it. That's so good. Um, quick shout-out to Athletic Brewing, though, because they're a sponsor of this podcast. And if you're looking for a – non-alcoholic beer that still tastes good you should definitely check them out yeah i think it's the only non-alcoholic beer that's actually worth drinking it's ac- it actually tastes good they have seltzers too i i prefer their seltzers over the beer but um i've heard a ton of people love the beer and the beer's good i just prefer the seltzer um okay so i wanted to touch really quick on that relay that you had brought up when you guys medaled you got you were a silver medalist right yes yeah four by 1500 who was on the team with you Leo Manzano, Pat Casey, and David Torrance. Okay. What leg were you? I was I was a third leg. 
I was going to say you had to be one of the middle legs because you wouldn't have had to think if you were first or last, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, again, I have like these memories from that event, like burned into my brain and none of those memories are like where I got the baton. It was, <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember David Torrance going out and like right behind the Kenyan team and Silas Kiplagat was running for Kenya and they went out in like 148 through 800 or what it was just like insanely fast but david is just like this guy who like he run ran on pure emotion and so he's like i don't care i'm just gonna like stick to this guy as long as i possibly can and then he died a very slow oh gosh painful last 200 and i'm just sitting there just like scream like give me the motor go Come on. And like, you know, we don't get to do the thing in the 400, like 404, where they're like waving the arm, like bringing their guy in. Oh. We were taking cues from all the other uh, relay runners. Like, we don't know what we're doing. How do we do <laughs> I mean, I guess I was going to say the only upside to him slowing down is it probably made the exchange a little bit easier because those fast exchanges are so scary. Yeah, we, we had practiced our baton exchange. And we definitely practiced at like a much faster rate than uh-huh. it ended up being in the race. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, we also had thought like we were, you know, of course I'm going to be finishing sprinting all out to bed. Yeah. But, you know, I guess, again, like training for the mile, training at overpace made the, you know, much slower exchange a bit easier. Yeah. Okay. So silver medalist in that world championships, four by 1500 relay two-time U.S. national champion, two-time Olympic trials finalist, 20, 2008, 2012. What are, like, if, if you listed, you know, what have I missed, but, like, what tops the charts of, like, athletic moments in your career thus far? Meeting my wife. That's the best. That's so good. Okay, tell us the story. Okay. Uh, so a girl never tells her age, right? So I'm a little bit older than Aisha. <laughs> And I, we met in Leuven, Belgium, previously mentioned, you know, fairy tale town of America of wayward American middle and long distance runners. Um, we had the same agent at the time, and so I think I had shown I had gone to a, another race before going to Leuven when I flew over to Europe, and if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, which it always does. Memories <laughs> never failed me. <laughs> Elephant brain over here. Um, I remember walking into sort of like one of the rooms. One of the rooms that was always turned into like the social gathering place where like the whichever room had the biggest TV and the most chairs. Mm-hmm. So we, everyone would go in there and watch movies and TV shows and stuff at night. And I went in and there was this very, very beautiful woman. Never met her before. Totally played it cool probably didn't i'm a super big dork but uh so i had my eye on her and then really slow played it until the next night at dinner where i made sure to sit right next to her (laughs) and you know as i say the rest is history did you know who she was uh no no okay no i'm not like a i know most runners in the professional sphere it's really really difficult for me to like keep track of anyone that isn't you know named Cole Hawker in the NCAA sure yeah so you sat next to her and was it obvious to her like she knew that you were purposely sitting next to her I think I made my intentions pretty clear oh yeah and then uh a couple days later we had our first date 
And but our date was because Leuven is very small. And if you like tried to go on a date with someone, every single other runner in town is going to walk past you uh-huh. and be like, <laughs> and so I was like, the only way this is going to work is if I cook for you. Ah. So I cooked her dinner and we had some, some privacy and got to know each other. And then, uh, yeah, we had a really, like we, neither of us had made the Olympic team in 20, this was back in 2012. Neither of us had made the Olympic team, but we had friends that did. And so we decided to go over to London and spectate and just like be around all the Olympic energy. And, uh, yeah, I think Aisha extended her plane ticket in Europe that summer, like, like six times. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. You kept calling mom. Can you, can you extend my plane ticket? I love it. And yeah. now she's a two time Olympian. Um, just talk to us about your feelings, watching her have success in the sport and being her partner in, in all of this. It's the story that you want to see unfold, right? Someone who, she wasn't a blue chip recruit in high school. She wasn't one of the most sought after runners when she graduated from college, but through hard work, determination, not giving up, believing in herself, she's got, she kept getting better and better and better and better and better and became one of the best runners in the world. And I think that, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing in our sport because maybe unlike some other professional sports, like by the time you're 20, you know if you're going to be a professional basketball player Mm. or you know if you're going to be a a professional football player or whatever, soccer player, because you're like already on a team. You you get picked out early and whatever. Runners can achieve success if they have a really good high school or a, I don't necessarily want to say really good high school coach. If they have a determined high school coach who's determined to get the most out of them in high school and run them a lot, you can have success that way. Um, but like, you know, she went to a mid-major D1 school, like won some conference championships, went to NCAAs a couple times. Um, but I think her best finish ever, oddly enough, was in the mile run in college where she got second to Lucy Van Dalen indoors in the mile. Beat Jordan Hesse, mm. drop, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's one of those things where you like, you hope, and there's there's few agents out there they're really willing to take chances on people. But her agent, Stephen Hass, is a guy who is incredible at spotting talent mm-hmm. and like seeing, okay, there's this woman who just got second in the mouth. No one's ever heard of her. Why haven't we heard of her? Let's dig into that story a little bit and see what she's done. And yeah, provided her an opportunity and, and she's been thriving. And then I, you know, had the utmost respect for her and her decision to leave the OTC and and take a chance moving out here with Joe and Emma, which was like a total crapshoot. You know, it's like there's no guarantee that that was going to work. But I think that it's important for athletes to have a bit of change from time to time in their career to shake things up, to keep it fun. And we both wanted to leave Eugene and we, you know, ended up in one of the great places in the world. And it's just been really, really fun to watch her like. I'd say like before, and I know she was already an Olympic finalist. It's almost like she was a girl and now she's like this woman Mm. and she's, yeah, she's incredible. She's inspiration for sure. She is. Um, Yeah. You know, I was just talking to Kate Grace about that on the podcast, like she's hopped around and been in quite a few groups and there's something kind of cool about getting to gain the knowledge from so many different 
coaches. I know Aisha hasn't been on as many teams as Kate, but like she's got to like pick and like use the best of what she learned from each coach in her career now. And I think that there's something to be said for that. I mean, there's also something to be said for sticking with a team, but you know, you can, you can, there's not no one way to do it. No, no. And I, I think that everybody finds their own path. Yeah. And, and I know that like Kate's been a huge value add to the team, even though like you know, she just joined in January. And so the girls are all you know, like, they all get along really well. I know Kate and Aisha are really, really close now. So it's awesome. So fun. What a group. Hey friends, a quick break here to remind you to sign up for the Under Armour All Out Mile. It's coming up. Go to UAAllOutMile.com, get signed up. You have the entire month of September to train for your mile. And yes, you can train for the mile while you're training for a half marathon or a marathon. It's so fun to get some speed in there. And when you run faster, like when you run a mile really fast, it's going to make your marathon pace seem really chill. And Will and I talk about that a little bit in this episode. It's going to be fun and it's totally free. Um, I'm trying to get a really big team together so that we can win that $15,000 to donate to charity for a youth sport charity. So join my team. It's called All Have Another. And you can sign up now through September 30th. But get signed up soon so you can have that full month to train for your mile and do your mile time trial at the beginning of the 30 days and the end of the 30 days. So go to UAAllOutMile.com to get registered and join team All Have Another. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, so you are on the board of directors for USA Track and Field? Yes. Okay, so talk to us about at this point in your career, like doing things like that, you were very like well-rounded in not just being a competitor, but also investing your times and talent, time and talent into the bigger picture. Yeah. I think that, you know, a large part of that probably comes from my division three background sure. of like nothing was ever given, everything was earned and realizing that, you know, after one or two years on the circuit of like listening to athletes complain, listening to like uh, seeing the inequities, seeing injustices if you want to call them that um although very taken with a grain of salt like injustices in the world of professional sports not like the world's biggest deal but when it's what you do every day it is a, it's a big deal it was a big deal to me i decided that like i couldn't just be a guy that bitched and moaned pardon my french on on a run it's like i had to be active in trying to change the things that i saw that needed to be changed and so that led me to go to my first ever annual meeting. At that annual meeting, I was, I didn't know that it was a, an election year, but I was elected as an event leader and, and for the Athletes Advisory Committee. And so that was like my first in to being a volunteer with the organization. And I held that role for almost a decade. And then this past year, it was sort of like a, you know, as I'm transitioning away from being a professional athlete and like, having only hours <laughs> in a day to train and like in you know work in this volunteer capacity it's like well i either want to be involved in a much larger capacity like in a much more effective role or it's time for me to step aside and let someone else inhabit this position and talking with colleagues in the organization they said you know like it'd be great if like run for a board seat you should be on the board you should be on the board you should be on the board and you know, thanks to the the votes of my athlete friends, um, and maybe not my friends, 
other athletes who put their faith in me to represent them well. You know, it's been uh, it's been an incredibly eye opening experience seeing things from a different seat at the table. I love that, and I love that when you were in like the thick of your career. Like uh, racing all over the world, you were on the advisory board. I'm curious, like being on the board when you do see decisions and things happening that you don't agree with. Like how how do you how is that? Like how do you handle that? Probably the same way that anybody who has a job deals with something that they don't like. I mean, there's certain things where I'm like, there are certain issues that I will die on that sword, mm. and I will I will not budge from position. And there's other things where I think you know like. Is this is it worth my argument here? Because read the room. Is there a majority that no matter what I say, it's going to go one direction, like a, a predetermined majority, or is there room for debate? And so it's been a really good exercise for like you know my 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 lack of professional skills um, to be put in those situations where it's like okay, I need to see how people are approaching this, see what the conversation sounds like, and I think. Fairly or unfairly, I definitely had um, a lot of people who had preconceived notions of the type of person that I was going to be on the board of directors. Mainly, I think that there was a an overwhelming sense that I'd be a thorn in people's side. Mm. But I've really tried to be as respectful, um, informed, and effective in the role as I possibly can. Preconceived notions of people, man. We all need to work on getting rid of that. Because you don't know. You don't know until you actually sit down and talk to someone, kind of like you and I are doing now, but, or truly for coffee or dinner or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's wrap up here with some end of the podcast questions. And if you guys want to learn more about Will's career as far as like the D3 running and things like that, you should definitely, he was episode one on D3 Glory Days, Noah Drotti's podcast. It's a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Yeah. And, and they did that in person. Was it your kitchen? We were sitting at my kitchen table. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal back when you used to be able to do those things. And if you're like, if you want to hear someone talk about D3 running, like you should hear it on that podcast because... Noah Drotti knows a lot about D3 running and Lindsay Hind is not. Yeah. And and Noah Drotti is just one of the all-time great human beings. Yeah. And Stu's great too. But Stu's Noah, great. I just don't know Stu. Yeah. 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 Disco Stu. So good. Okay. Um, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Get a job. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you get to like, when you go to board meetings, if they're in person, do you like dress in business clothing or do you wear like running gear yeah so i got to go to the trials this year um in both roles so i'm also the vice chair of the athlete advisory committee now i saw that yeah yeah so we had a lot of important work to do at the trials and i felt like as an opportunity to rebrand not being in athletic apparel all the time was a, a good move and to like I, I've been working with a career coach over the past year and, you know, he and I started talking about, he's like, yeah, like again, at your first event, in-person event, you'll get to read the room, like how people are presented. And it's like, it's definitely a bit more of like a business casual approach. Mm -hmm. People aren't wearing like, you know, suits and a tie. Um, I did bring a suit and a tie prepared to do this too. So if I needed to, but, uh, no, I think it's, you know, you, you dress for the role, you dress, um, how you want to be, because again, First impressions are huge. 
beating away preconceived notions of, of who you are and like how one presents themselves is incredibly important in that role. Um, and I just kept having people come up to me and be like, Will, I didn't recognize you. And I'm like, like, yeah, COVID existed, but like, I don't look that much different. I got a couple more gray hairs on the uh-huh. old head. But like, <laughs> I'm not, like, oh, no, you, you look so good. And I'm like, again, because I'm not wearing like a quarter zip or like a dry fit t-shirt. Uh-huh. You know? um, but yeah, it's amazing what a 60% off sale at J. Crew can do to a guy's closet. <laughs> yeah, I, the striped shirt. I saw the picture of that. Yeah, yeah. I want, you know, a lot of stripes. Yeah. They're slimming. No, they're not running so much. I, there is some, as someone who has lived not as a professional runner, but just like in workout gear most of my life, it, it feels good to dress in normal clothes. I actually recently just got a, I think I'm going to say it wrong, but it's newly subscription and it, I think it's a, it's a ladies thing, but, um, and it's like you get six outfits a month for a certain price or whatever. And there's just, it just feels really good to put nice clothes on. And I thought, you know what, Lindsay? You are 37 years old. If you want to wear normal clothes and spend some money on a subscription, go do that. <laughs> Look, you're 27 years old. You can do what you want. Listen, the world is yours. Oh, you! Ju- I justify spending money so much easier at 37 than I did at 27. I'll tell you that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, you know, it's like, it's your Superman costume or yeah. Superwoman costume. It's, it's your, I remember always like the feeling of when you put on your race kit. Yeah was like, you know, we're going to war. This is big time. This is important. And so now, like, I have a couple of different, like, really professional outfits. I mean, I remember one time, when, you know, again, back to travel, going to Italy and being like, these are the most beautiful people that I've ever seen. And then you look a little closer and you're like, they're actually not very attractive. Everyone's just dressed really well. Take, really and well they're taken wearing care of. clothes that fit right uh-huh. and, like, Oh, you're going out in public? Will you wear a shirt that's a button-up that has a collar and, like, linen slacks in the summer? You're not wearing, like, gym shorts and, you know, slides. Because then I go, I, like, I distinctly remember I was coming back from Italy to the U.S. And I went back to my parents' house in Minnesota and, like, seeing the men. And, like, again, no knock to these people at all. It's just a cultural difference of, like, seeing guys walk around the neighborhood on the weekend versus, like, seeing people going out on the weekend in in Italy was like, oof, man, like (laughs) we can hold ourselves to a bit of a higher standard than like gym shorts, you know? Anytime I, well, cause, cause we, I can get away with wearing some like tights, you know, like Lululemon tights or something like that. And you still, you're like half dressed up, you know? Yeah. Um, but anytime I go like steps down below that out to like target or anything like that, my husband's always just like, I see you've given up. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're, that's what you're wearing. Yeah. Okay. I see, I see this is where we are. It's just like the Seinfeld episode when George wears this, wears the sweatpants. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what you're wearing. Yeah. I mean like slight sidebar, we were playing uh, volleyball the other day. Volleyball like is, again, it's one of the only sports I can play and not get like aggressively competitive because <laughs> I'm pretty bad. So, and I know that is so I don't expect much. Have a softball game tonight. Different story. Get way too competitive. That's so awesome. Um, but we were playing volleyball and I was like, I have this really silly, uh, blood, sweat, respect, cutoff t-shirt under armor, the rock, you know, like thing. I think I've worn it like three times, but it is an aggressive, like I would never choose to wear this thing. And I wear it only in like situations where I know I'm not going to see anybody else. And if I, the people I do see, they'll think it's funny too. Right. And we're leaving volleyball and Aisha's like, oh yeah, no, my target order is ready for pickup. And I was like, I need to go inside. 
wearing this. <laughs> I apologized to the woman behind the cash register. I'm like, I'm sorry for wearing this shirt. It's like my nipples are out. Like, <laughs> that's how deep this thing is cut. I was like, uh, I apologize. I did not think I was going out in public in this shirt today. So she's like, well, it's really hot outside. I'm like, you're making me feel better. Thank you. Yeah, it is. You're and justifying I'm like, yeah, this choice. Yeah, um, yeah. Was this for the volleyball game or the softball? The volleyball game. This is for the volleyball game. Yeah, volleyball no, softball game. I wear full uniform you wear full uniform oh my gosh I love it I love adults doing like sports like that that's so fun yeah our our softball team name is the shin splints that's good and we are terrifically mediocre (laughs) okay so um we don't have to get into this but like what job what kind of job do you want you said you were working with a career coach yeah you know we're still trying to really figure that out I think anything that's sort of like person forward, um, consultative sales, Mm. problem solving, working with people and helping make the world a better place. I think you'd be good at that. That, That's the goal. Trying to find something where I can like use the skill set that made me a successful runner. So like, you know, uh, personal drive, intrinsic motivation, but also like what made my brand in running slightly different than maybe other people is just like, an ability to connect with other human beings. Yeah. Um, who's your career coach? His name's Bob Fleshner. Okay. He's a very fantastic man. I'm like, maybe I need a career coach. <laughs> um, okay. If you could have coffee, tea, or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? You know, uh, I've already gone on a run with Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. randomly. Also, that's a very strange. Aisha and I have both had rand- completely random celebrity interactions with Malcolm Gladwell. Really? I was like running in LA and saw him. I was like, I'm turning around. Just I got go for it. Mal- yeah. And I was like, are you Malcolm Gladwell? And he's like, are you Will Lear? And I was like, no, stop it. <laughs> I was like, my day is made. My life is made. Um, I'd probably say like Barack Obama. I mean, that's a pretty easy one. Yeah. But he just is like, he's the epitome of cool. He and is. yeah, and he, and he seems like a completely like down to earth, relatable guy. You're you're helping Barack out a little bit because everybody says Michelle. So, well, I mean, like, yeah, I, I would hope that they'd both be there, and Aisha and I could go have dinner with two of them. There you go. I'm sure. Yeah. I feel like Aisha probably said Michelle, but I'm I can't remember. I just know that 90 percent of my female guests say Michelle. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, that makes sense. The the Lears and the Obamas. Yeah, you know, power couples, both of us. <laughs> dinner in Paris. Yeah, I, if if someone can make that happen, if any of your listeners can set that up somehow, I'll empty a bank account or two for that. There we go. <laughs> um, you know, I think Malcolm Gladwell probably appreciated that you turned around, though. I'm actually reading his book, Talking with Strangers, right now. And so, um, you know, he opens... Have you read it? Yeah. Yeah, he opens the book, like, talking about, like, how you can very easily miss moments in life by not doing that. So, like, yeah. you could have, for the rest of the day dwelled on the fact that I should have just turned around and said hi yeah yeah no we ended up like running for five miles together and it was totally awesome that's awesome well he's a big fan of the sport so it doesn't surprise me that he knew who you were um okay what's the best most recent book you've read oof I uh embarrassingly this has taken me a long time to get into but boys in the boat oh yeah I'm like halfway through it right now um and it's it's terrific is it yeah. 
is it hard to get into? Because I have that book and I've started the first chapter like 10 times and I'm like, uh, but people tell me it's so good. You just got to go through it quick. Yeah. You got you to read it a bit like a beach read, okay. right? Where you're just like, gotta I'm not it. focusing too much on any of the specific details, but okay. just like the story is, is really incredible. Okay. Um, all right. And then what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Well, I can give like the commercial plug, but I can also give like the personal anecdote of whether or not you've ever trained for a mile in your life, just like we were talking about turning around, taking a chance on a new experience, like the mile is a unique event. If for nothing other than like, when was the last time that you did it? You know, when was the last time that you truly like put yourself in an uncomfortable position where you were having to go through like physical, mental, emotional challenges. And I think it's one of the things that makes the mile like really great. Um, and in turn, hopefully, you know, it makes you maybe a better student of the sport track and field, I think is one of the most underappreciated. I mean, it's like, it's a global sport, right? It's, it's super popular around the world, but I think it's really underappreciated because it's difficult. It's, it's one of these sports that like everyone can go out and go for a run, but like you can also put yourself in a position that like when you're watching the sport, you know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to know what it feels like to catch a touchdown the Super Bowl or get blasted by a free safety or to hit a home run and base in like the major leagues. But like I can achieve that, like that sensation of being tired and overcoming fatigue and like success in running in my own personal running journey. And I think that like that makes the sport so cool, so relatable and you know, what a cool opportunity that we have right now. Yes. I love that. And I mean, you could start getting more serious with your softball in our mural league, you know, so you oh, could experience that baseball feeling a little bit, maybe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't even have warning track power in softball. Like me hitting a home run in softball is, uh, is not going to happen. <laughs> not this year, probably not ever. And I'm okay with that. I'm a base hit kind of guy, you know? A walk's as good as a hit. Is it a and, slow pitch? Uh, is it slow pitch or do they do the wind up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And they, I connect with the ball at least. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a lot of whiffs. Let's put it that way. Listen, I got a black eye hitting the ball in softball. I was like the worst one on the team in seventh grade. And I have been scared of a softball pitch ever since. What was it fast pitch? Yeah. And, and it was terrifying oh, every time. Fast pitch softball terrifies me. And yeah. the girls like on the other teams like knew I was scared. So it, it was a very easy target to like kind of just make fun of. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I view myself a bit in that same role, <laughs> which is why I always show up with a, you know, positivity, can do attitude, uh -huh. cooler beer. And like, if nothing else, I'm the fan favorite. There we go. Um, okay. So lastly here, sign up for the Under Armour all out mile. Um, Choose my team over Will's because he's already like a silver medalist in world championships. So like I need some more success on my team. Well, and I'm also a big, big fan of girls on the run. So there we go. Let's pump up those numbers. Let's get them that 15 K cold, hard cash in the pocket of the charity. It's going to be great. The mile high milers is Will's team. And my team is I'll have another. I know it's super original. Um, sign up. It's free. And you get free training plan, all the things you get 
like how fun was this conversation? You get Will in your email inbox every single week or once a month or wh- I don't know how often. It's only a one month program. So yeah, I think we'll go with every week. Every week. Okay, yeah. perfect. And if that's not enough, you can just shoot me a DM and we'll uh, we'll have these interactions. I'll chat. Perfect. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. And thank you so much, Will, for coming on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Will, for coming on the show. Thank you to the Under Armour All Out Mile for supporting this episode of the podcast. Go get signed up for that. UAAllOutMile.com. Join team. I'll have another. Let's get that party started. Uh, If you want to try out Athletic Brewing Company, go to AthleticBrewing.com. Use the code AnotherAthletic15 for 15% off your order. Make sure you get at least two six-packs because then you get free shipping as well. All right, you can follow Will on Instagram. He is William Lear, L-E-E-R, over there. You can find me on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. And don't forget, we're giving away a pair of gooder shades for all the new ratings and reviews. So go leave us a rating and review if you are enjoying this podcast. All right, friends, I thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate your support by listening to the show. And we will see you Friday. So you get two episodes this week on the podcast. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you Friday.